0: welcome to the monthly skill Bites show where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business this is judy weintraub ceo of skill Bites and host of this show if you want to position yourself as an expert one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published Today, I am pleased to introduce Marjorie Salson. Marjorie's named both top speaking coach of the year and top motivational speaker of the decade. From communication confidence coach, Marjorie is still going strong at 82 and intends to be the most fabulous 100 plus year old babe you've ever met. Author of the number one international best-selling book, Empowering Business Owners to Overcome Speaking Fears, whether you're talking with one person or a thousand, she is also one of 50 women, including Oprah Winfrey and Melinda Gates, who are contributing authors to the book, America's Leading Ladies, Stories of Courage, Challenge, and Triumph. For over 40 years, Marjorie has coached reluctant speakers to create their unique and authentic messages, acquire engaging presentation skills, and overcome their fear of public speaking so that they can communicate with confidence and skill, reach their professional and income goals, and make the impact they desire to make in the world. Marjorie, welcome so much to the Skill Bites podcast.
1: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey, how you came to be a speaking coach?
1: Well, it's very interesting. One of my mentors said something I've never forgotten. She said, your mess is your message. So guess who wasn't the world's best communicator? Shy introvert number one. And so, actually, what's interesting, you know, people think public speaking is giving speeches. And for some reason, I didn't really have trouble with that, maybe because I was a goody two-shoes who was always raising my hand in school to answer the teacher. But, you know, personal conversations and talking to people on the phone and that kind of stuff, that was always hard for me. I had to work my way up to getting comfortable with things like Networking, you want me to go into a room and talk to all those strange people I don't know? Are you crazy? Pick up the phone, call somebody on the phone. So I changed my definition of public speaking because I think it's any time you talk to somebody other than yourself. And people I've worked with over the years, some of them have been in the same situation as I am, they, or I was, uh, that they don't have problems with speaking to groups although a lot of times I have to help them upgrade their message. Uh, but uh, they have brought, same, some of the problems that I had. So having you know, figured out some systems to deal with that, I love to help people come into the power of their voice, which is probably why I call my company Vibrant Vocal Power. And I want it to be vibrant because I don't want anybody getting up there and speaking in a terrible tone of voice and a monotone and sounding boring.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know that a lot of people are afraid of public speaking. Right. That makes them afraid. And you have some tips for how they can overcome their fear.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing is don't beat yourself up. What do you mean? Why am I so afraid? There's no tiger. There's no lightning bolt going to come out of the ceiling and hit me. It's not physical fear, although we feel it in our bodies generally. It's emotional fear. And there are three basic fears that really get people going. The first one is criticism. Ah, oh, that's a stupid idea. Why'd you, you get that idea? Rejection. Oh, I don't want that that'll never work. Failure. People feel really afraid of looking stupid. And so it's really important to have some strategies to deal with those fears. And if you'd like, I can give you a couple of suggestions for, for them. Sure.
0: That would be great.
1: Okay. Well, criticism. Now, by the way, anytime, what I've discovered is anytime something hurts your feelings, what it is generally is sometimes it's some old unhealed wound, And I personally think that criticism is the major tool that our parents and teachers often used to civilize us growing up. And we had no way of dealing with that kind of criticism. So a lot of us, you know, we have that wounded inner, inner child and something, somebody says something that hits that, you know, that wound, you know, we, we kind of shut down and we feel hurt. And so one of the things I invite people to do, and I learned this from my late husband. I was uh, trying to get something done uh, in an organization that was kind of controversial. And, you know, they say the only one who welcomes change is a wet baby. (laughs) And I was pushing an important change. And somebody said something that was really hurtful to me. And I came home and I told my husband about it. And he said three words I've never forgotten, and I share them with you. Consider the source. Is this someone whose opinion you respect? You know, there are people who walk around and I call them Billy bullies or Sally snipers with all due apologies to very nice Billies and Sally's in the world. But there are people who go around who feel so small inside themselves That the only way they can feel big is to try and cut somebody else down by criticizing them. So if this is somebody, number one, who has absolutely no knowledge of what you're talking about and they're, they're way out of left field, or they're one of these snipers or bullies, their opinion isn't worth a half a cent. And so when you consider the source, that person isn't worth listening to, right? That makes sense. Then there's the rejection piece. You know, one of the gals I was working with was telling me she just hates it when somebody says no, when she shared something. And I said to her, actually, your message and and is like a lighthouse. In fact, that's kind of, uh, I love lighthouses. I'm from Michigan and we have more lighthouses than any other state because we're on four of the five Great Lakes. But think about a lighthouse. A lighthouse is there to shine light for the boats that need it. It doesn't go running up and down the shoreline after the boats that don't need it, does it? If you have a well-crafted message that is designed to attract the people who need what you offer, then it's sorting out the people who need you from those who don't. So the people who are saying no to you that's not a personal no. They just don't need what you're offering. And if you know they need what you're offering and they're still saying no, then maybe take a look at your message. Is it well-crafted? Is it in the language designed to attract the people who need you? So rejection can be a good thing because you don't wanna work with the wrong people.
0: <laughs> right. Actually getting a no is better than getting a uh, call me in three months.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there are some people who generally need you and it's not the right time. And it is important to follow up with those people. Because a lot of times people, you know, have to think about things. People, generally speaking, are not fast decision makers, especially about something that involves having to change something. And like I said, the only one who welcomes change is a wet baby. So a lot of people have to do a lot of thinking and they have to get as too uncomfortable with where they're at to be willing to face the pain. I I say that the pain of staying the same has to get worse than the fear of the change for some people to be willing to make that move. So understand for some people, it's a process and that's why you keep in touch and help them along that path.
0: Now you've mentioned a few times having the right message. Why is having a well-organized message so crucial to
1: creating
0: speaking confidence?
1: Well, because the thing is, <clears throat> when you know that, excuse me while I grab a, a drink of water, <clears throat> a little frog hopped in there. <clears throat> the thing is that the, to me, maybe because I'm a writer and a former magazine editor, But to me, your message is the foundation of your confidence, knowing that you have something worthwhile to share and that there are people out there who desperately need to hear it. You have an obligation to share that. You have an obligation to help the people that you can't help. And that helps you take yourself outside of your own little worries. Oh, well, you know, knowing that you have a well-crafted message, it makes sense It's in the language that will attract the people who do need you. You are a light. You are a light. You are a light to the people who need what you have to offer. And it's your obligation to shine that light. And the way you shine it is with a good message. And, of course, good presentation skills.
0: So how does somebody go about determining the right message for their business?
1: Well, you know, there's this interesting thing to do. You ask you do some market research as it's officially called but you you ask people what you know what they're concerned about one of the reasons I came up with the word confidence I'm a public speaking and confidence coach Is because when I was doing market research people kept saying over and over I want to feel confident I want to feel confident and so that's where I got that word I didn't you know it out of the spheres I ask people so if you want to know what people want ask them and ask their permission by the way to record your conversation so that you can go back and listen to their language and use that language as a basis of creating your message because you want it to be in the language where somebody will say oh she gets me she understands my challenges she knows what my problems are she knows what I want when you create a message like that that's a sorting message and it sorts in the right people and sorts out the wrong people
0: yeah having that ability to qualify the people that you spend time nurturing is so important
1: yeah it's right and the other, the other third one, by the way, the fear is failure. And it kind of, in a way, encompasses the other two. Because when you feel criticized or rejected, you feel like a failure, right? Uh, but, the, but the reality is, look at failure as feedback, as figuring out how to do it better the next time. And one of the things that I think we tend to do, we are our own worst critics. And so if something, it doesn't go the way we want it to, we start tearing it down and say, oh, this was wrong, this is wrong. I invite you and everyone to first ask this question, what went right? You know, it's so easy to lose the good stuff if you don't start out taking a look at what's the good stuff. And it's like the, the old saying, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater." Always start out with what went right. The minute you start talking about what went wrong, it's a recipe for procrastination and fear of ever trying to do it again. So always start out with what went right. Then the next question is, what needs to be tweaked, edited or released? Because it doesn't serve the, the message. And you get to the same results in a way of asking what went wrong. But what went wrong is a horrible question. Like I said, it's a recipe for Procrastination, fear, and never doing it again. So, by asking first of all what went right, and really congratulating yourself for everything that you did do well, and then asking where can I do better next time, you kind—it's a stepping stone up the ladder of ever perfecting your message. It'll never be totally perfect. Uh, in fact, Dale Carnegie, who was famously wrote, you know, how to win friends and influence people, and basically started I think, the public speaking business, said that there are always three speeches. There's the one you plan to give, the one you give, and the one you wish you'd given. And you take a look at the one you actually gave and figure out how to make it better next time. And that keeps you going up the ladder to success and getting more and more effective as a communicator. And more and more, uh, you know, kind of, assured that that you're going to do a better job next time and by the way i never promise anybody that they won't feel nervous before speaking because there are always some situations where we do the qu- the the key is to have some tools in your toolbox as it were to deal with those fears so that you don't let them sabotage you
0: well that's actually and- exactly where i was going next are there some additional tools that you recommend to people to calm their nerves before they're speaking and and gain that confidence that enables them to get their message across?
1: Well, think about it. When you feel nervous, Judy, you feel it in your body, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you you use your body to deal with the nerves. When you feel this energy going around, mm understand that fear and excitement are two sides of the same coin. And it's your brain that decides which is which. Decide all that nervous energy is excitement. You are so excited to share this message and you use that excitement to invest your message with vibrancy and and power. We've all heard speakers who have absolutely no affect, and they are so boring. (laughs) Use the excitement in your voice and the way you present yourself. And that's one of the things that you use your nerves to serve you instead of sabotage you. Now, another thing that happens when we're nervous, (laughs) we tend to breathe very shallowly deep breathing, if you've done any yoga or any type of uh, exercise like that, you know the power of deep breathing to relax yourself. And there's there's a real important benefit of continuing, continuing to breathe deeply as you are sharing things. First of all, you can start out while you're waiting, you know, doing some deep breathing, but actually while you are speaking, you want to continue to focus on breathing deeply because your chest and your lungs are an important resonating chamber for your voice. When you don't take a deep breath and you lose that chest resonance, your voice does not sound too good. (laughs) But when you breathe and continually are breathing, that immediately gives your voice more resonance and a, a more pleasant voice. The other place that people tend to get nervous is they tend to, you know, clench their jaw. Your mouth is also an important resonating chamber for your voice. So one of the things you can do is to yawn, not simply dropping your chin, but yawn from back here, separating your back teeth, yawn from the hinge, and that opens up the resonating space in your mouth and head. And doing those two things will help you relax. Now, my very first singing teacher, and I love to sing, uh, she was an opera singer with New York City Opera. And she told me an interesting thing about yawning that I've never forgotten. Before a performance, there was a fellow opera singer of hers, a fella who would spend like at least five minutes backstage with his mouth held open in a big yawn, breathing in and out with that opening up that space, that resonating space to give his singing voice more resonance and when you think about whether you're speaking or you're singing it's your body that's your instrument and when you yawn and you deep breathe you give your instrument more resonance and you're much less likely to have it get tired on you because you're supporting it properly you're not making your vocal cords do the work of creating the sound it's like your voice is a pipe organ. You ever hear somebody say, "Oh, that that singer's got great pipes."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How does a pipe organ work? It's the air going through the pipes that give it the sound. So think of your voice as a pipe organ and give it plenty of air.
0: All right. Yeah, we had a speaker on the podcast a few months ago. I don't. You may even know him, Schroeder Nordholt, who Yeah. Made, yeah. Uh, absolutely. On. Um, improving the quality of your voice. And I think yawning was one of them where you open your mouth really wide as if you're yawning and then you do uh, scales up and down and up and down to sort of uh-huh. up your vocal cords.
1: Yeah, warm up your voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. And the breathing, I have a funny story about my very first important presentation. I was um, invited to speak at a conference when I was a senior in college. And I had spoken in classes before, but never in front of an important audience. This was That's a whole other level. It was a whole other level. Um, I was incredibly nervous and I didn't know that deep breathing was a good thing to do before speaking. And I was about a minute and a half into my presentation when I realized that I couldn't remember how to breathe. I was so nervous and I knew I was running out of air <laughs> very quickly, uh, but fortunately something I said caused the audience to laugh and that sort of dissipated the nervousness and I could remember yeah, how
1: Humor to is a wonderful tool for everybody.
0: <laughs> yes, so I wish I had known to take some breaths before starting not not only because that would have given me more oxygen but it, i think taking the deep breaths just uh, naturally calms you down
1: it absolutely does it absolutely does that when you think about all meditation practices don't they all start with breathing you know
0: yep yeah that's a great tip so You've worked with a lot of people over the course of your 40-year career in coaching people for speaking engagements. Tell us about how you work with people and what are the biggest benefits that your uh, clients get from working with you?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think I'm the only coach that I know of who helps people with all three parts of what I call the three-legged stool. Because, you know, in a three-legged stool, if one leg is missing, and I call those legs what, how, and allow, what is your message? We were talking about it. Does it make sense? Is it compelling? Is it in the language that makes your ideal people say, ah, she gets me. How are you presenting it? Are you getting up there and boring people to death? Are you trying to memorize it and sound like a robocall and then lose your place in the middle? If you wanna get really nervous, try and memorize your speech <laughs> because that's not the way to go. It really isn't. There's only two parts uh, that I teach people to memorize, the start and the end. So you know how you're gonna start and you know how you're gonna finish and whatever happens in the middle because you wanna have a really good start and you wanna have a really good finish, right? Makes sense. Yeah, so that being the case, you wanna make sure that you have a, a good presentation, but that's not the only thing to be concerned about because we present messages, not only orally, but also visually. And if you're sending out a me, uh, an email that is what I call a stream of consciousness, big blob of text in a small font that the human eye cannot read, or if your LinkedIn profile is like that, because LinkedIn only lets you use a small font, you know, it's this big blob of text. People need to be able to read what you send them as well. And I, I got my master's in audio visual education. So I'm really a bear about helping people make sure their written stuff is what I call visually accessible. And the allow is allowing yourself, getting over the fear piece. That's, that's really important to do too.
0: Excellent, great. People wanna get connected with you. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, uh, I have a, a gift to offer them. And honestly, I, I forgot to look up what it, I know it's my website plus an extension.
0: Yes, well, your, your website is vibrantlocalpower.com. Yeah. And um, you had mentioned to me that you have a free report, Zoom with Communication Confidence. Yes, and the link for that is your website vibrantvocalpower.com backslash jw for my
1: initials. Yeah, I think I think I'm and let me double check because I may have actually <clears throat> changed it to your whole name so that uh, let me double check, make sure I, I'm, I yes, use your first name, Judy.
0: Okay, instead of the JW.
1: Yes, in fact, Why don't I put that in the chat for everybody? And uh, let's see, where is chat here? Well, I will put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, Yeah, I I was suffering there from what my dear late Aunt Roslin called mental pause.
0: (laughs) Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Marjorie. Really appreciate your expertise.
1: Yeah, and by the way, I gave a perfect example of what, to hap- what happens when you make a mistake. <laughs> you know, just get yourself out of it as best you can. And perfection is not relatable. I, I hope everybody can relate to my problem.
0: Yes, well, everybody makes mistakes and, and what you want to aim to
1: do is not make it worse by getting all flustered. Yeah, yeah my late dear late husband said that's why they put erasers on pencils.
0: Good point. Thank
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate
0: it. You're most welcome. Thanks for being here.